Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk. Um, I'm excited today because we're going to discuss one of my favorite topics. It's storytelling, sharing your story, using your uh, adversity to help others. And today I'm talking to Henrietta Ivanens. Is that correct, Henrietta? That's right, Lori. Oh, my goodness. I I know. It's a little bit confusing. And um, she's an author. Uh, She wrote a book called In Pillness and in Health. Is that correct? Is that the title? That's absolutely correct. Yes. And today, um, I wrote a book called Chronically Happy. She's written a book. We're going to talk about the process of what it takes to, you know, get your story on paper, make it helpful to others, and then get it to where people can read it. So welcome to the show, Henrietta. Thank you, Lori. You know this, but you're one of my favorite people on planet Earth. You're truly one of my few heroes. And it's like an honor to work with you anytime. Well, thank you so much. That's that's very sweet. You know, uh, uh, we said a little bit early, but earlier that adver- adversity introduces to yourself. And you know, I've been a patient since 1968, and I kind of grew up with this illness. I'm like the frog in the boiling pot. I just kind of slowly got uh, 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 had to adapt to this illness, where some people are thrown into this illness, and everybody has a unique perspective. So, uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, first of all, I'll just start out by saying um, uh, my my father died very young, and he was he was 38 when he died, and so I grew up with uh, my mother and my brother. And at 13, I was diagnosed with glomerulonephritis, um, which is for people that don't know, inflammation of the filters that surround the kidney, and uh, it it be- became chronic. And at 19, I had my first kidney transplant. And that was donated to me by my mother, which was a total miracle. It was in 1988. And that transplant lasted, um, I would say, 22 good years. And then uh, into the 23rd year, I had my second transplant, which was miraculously, again, donated to me by my husband, who I'm still married to. (laughs) And we've been married (laughs) for quite a long time. Um, I also suffer from chronic migraines um, that can be crippling and debilitating. And over the last four years, uh, whether or not it's because of um, a rash I contracted, that then once that was resolved, um, it left me with this burning, pinpricking, uh, on fire kind of shingles-like pain all over my body. And it, it vacillates in intensity. Sometimes it's difficult to concentrate and sometimes it's something that I can be completely distracted from. And of course, I've seen every Western medicine physician for this, but it remains um, very much undiagnosed and something that I have to live with every day. And my own personal theory is it may have something to do with being immunosuppressed for so long and my right. body wasn't able to resolve whatever happened with this rash. But um, but that's that, that's sort of the bare bones right there. <laughs> the bare bones. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, when I wrote my book, Chronically Happy, Joyful Living in Spite of an Illness, I was a little bit younger and a little bit, um, you know, I was uh, in my early 30s and 
uh, I really, you know, talked about ways to strategize how to live happy, uh, have have a happy life in spite of an illness. And tell us a little bit about what uh, your book is about. What messages are you trying to convey to people? Um, and the title again is, can you say it? In Pillness and in Health. In it's a pun. It's a play on the marriage vow, of course, in sickness okay. and in health. In sickness and in health, in pillness and in health. I mean, yeah. uh, I, I know we take enough pills to choke a horse, don't we? <laughs> right, right. And so, and as you know, you know me and, and, and I've done one of these podcasts before. I'm also in recovery from uh, drug and alcohol addiction six years now, which is literally it's the wonderful. most important thing in my life. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, the kidney transplant is a super close second, but it is the thing that has to be the number one thing in my life that, um, that I treat every day. And so, you know, what I would say about this book is, um, when I first got diagnosed in 2008, so we're talking 11 years now, that my kidney was in chronic rejection, I really, I had no tools. I was still an active addict. Um, I, it hadn't really progressed to the point where my life was completely unmanageable. But in, in that moment, I really just, Laurie, I had no tools. I didn't understand how to cope with something this massive that I was going to lose my kidney. And I turned very rapidly to, to drugs and alcohol in, in, in two short years. Throughout the donation of the kidney by my husband, um, I was abusing drugs and alcohol, mostly pills, um, at a, just an absolutely extraordinary rate. I overdosed twice on over wow. um, 120 pills wow. and um, and I, I went into rehab and during that period of time, it, it's so funny to me because I really hadn't expressed much of an interest in writing, but my husband actually set up a blog for me. This was when blogger was, you know, blogs were still relatively new and, and he just said, write about it. It's like he had just some un, un, spoken knowledge that this would be helpful to me. And I know you speak a lot about finding mm-hmm. something that can fulfill you and distract you and, and nourish that, which I think all of us have that creative side of us. And so in the beginning, it just became a way of getting out how I was feeling, talking about my blood work, talking about my frustration with the medical system. And then it just became something deeper than that for me. And in fact, when I was in rehab, there was two hours a night where we were allowed to do whatever we wanted um, between five and seven. And I became known as the person who would get her laptop because laptops were contraband throughout most of the day. And I would <laughs> write a blog uh, between five and seven. And at 6.59, I would hit send and I would give my laptop back to the people um, that needed to <laughs> confiscate it wow. from me. And it was, um, it was so nourishing for my soul. Then it became... Uh, once I got a little bit of sobriety under my belt, um, it became really apparent to me that it was not only something that I enjoyed doing, but it was necessary for me. It's a it's a necessary part of me balancing my life with chronic illness. And the story itself uh, basically takes place during the year in 2011 when my husband gave me a kidney and my addiction completely skyrocketed. And I really needed to understand because my father died so young and he died of alcoholism. He was 38. He was a physician, extremely well-educated, had a beautiful young wife and beautiful, healthy kids. I was still healthy at the time. 
And I never understood, really, truly, right. until I got to rehab what addiction was. It's abandonment. I mean... Yes, <laughs> yes, all of that. So that was the main, you know, that's the main catalyst. That is the main deep level why of why I wrote this book. And um, I really wanted to paint, not even paint, because that sounds like it's a facade, but I really wanted to dig into truly what addiction is. And it, it really... You know, I, the reason, no, they're not the reason. I wanted to dig into truly what addiction was. And I work a program through, through a 12 step program through Alcoholics Anonymous. And the interesting thing about the 12 steps, Lori, is that alcohol is really, is only mentioned once in the first step because mm-hmm. it's truly a program and a, it's a disease about our thinking. It's an illness that really is, it's difficult for a lot of people to understand who aren't alcoholics or addicts. Because it really is about our mindset. It's about our thinking. It's about our perception. And it starts very much in self-will. We're very much rooted in self. And we need to get out of that and change the way we think. And that's something that, um, for me, only that transformation only came through doing the 12 steps. I know there's many ways people can be sober, but this is the way for me. And I really didn't understand it. And it became necessary for me to understand how could I, how could I drink on the gift of life that right. my husband had given me? How could I abuse drugs? How could I take that, you know, all for granted? And and that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with a disease or a condition or an illness or however you want to phrase it. Um, you're dealing with something that's stronger than the love between a mother and a child. You're dealing with something stronger than the love between a husband who wants to save your life well, and it's, the gift of life. You know, Henriette, it's interesting you say that because, um, uh, you know, I grew up in an alcoholic family and I'm a, a typical mm-hmm. Al-Anon, you know. Um, and I went to Al-Anon early on when I was like 18, 19, 20. And I picked up so many wonderful things from from the organization and 12-step. And uh, I definitely applied it to RSN and to my book and uh, because I knew, um, you know, one of the center messages of of RSN is an illness is too demanding when you don't have hope. And when you're sitting in rooms seeing other people succeed, uh, whether it be dealing with somebody who's alcoholic or dealing with somebody who's been sober, they're seeing that they're overcoming adversity. But also, um, you know, one friend can make a difference. And I I met a lot of people in Al-Anon that it, it knew exactly how I was feeling about my family having addiction problems and how I couldn't couldn't solve the problems for the person I loved and how I had to get my own life on track to be able to be healthy. I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, solve their problems. And it, it was really revolutionary and is based the, the framework for everything I do. And I think once you uh-huh. find out that you have a story and you have a certain point of wisdom that can help somebody, it's important to tell it because um, we have an obligation to help our peers, I believe, and, and humanity when we have something that's worth saying. And, and I Absolutely. say that. Um, and, and the reason I say this, because I want to talk a little bit about writing a book. And I've gotten a lot of books over the years, and I've read some of your writings. I haven't read your whole book yet, but I've read a lot of your blogs. And, and you know, what's, what, what's really interesting about it is you have these little 
the people that follow you and and look up to you and say thank you for sharing <laughs> and you know that's the psychological paycheck you get but um yeah. i i want to emphasize a little bit about what you decide to publish and what you don't decide to publish because one of my goals is I don't need to publish my therapy. I need to publish things that are helpful, that are that are true, you know, that are, um, you know, I'm not going to give medical advice. I'm going to share my experience. There's a certain responsibility right. when you tell your story. And I just wanted to um, ask you how you dealt with that. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, well, I think, you know, in order to answer that question, you know, I have to be completely honest and say, I really desperately wanted to write a book, but I didn't know how. I really didn't know how. I knew I had it in me. I, I, I really did. And I say that to anybody out there that really feels that way. Um, it's, it's really important to ask for help so that you can do exactly that. Because I had a, a ton of, um, as it were, drug stories, right? I could, right. I could write <laughs> volumes on everything I did on drugs and, but you really have to get to the reason, you know, why you're doing it. What, what message was I trying to carry? What was I, what was I trying to say about all of this? And, um, and I, I really didn't know how to do that. And so, um, I took classes because I, I, I agree with you completely. There's a responsibility involved. Um, particularly, you know, this is a delicate issue with Alcoholics Anonymous because it's an anonymous group. So how do I write about that? Um, how do I write a memoir where my incredible, unconditionally loving husband um, is so enmeshed in my story? And I just, um, I really had to cultivate help in the form of, I worked with a book coach. Right. I took writing classes. I read everything that I could on, um, and by that I mean um, editors and other writers and agents and successful authors and every everything possible that was out there in order to truly understand in what what exactly was um like I said just a bunch of stories and what was really my underlying point right you know and, and it's interesting because i get a lot of stories that people write or and you have to be focused on what your objective is. Um, for my book, um, it was chronically happy, joyful living in spite of an illness. So I really take the reader through how I became chronically happy or maintain my chronic happiness. And there was different chapters and everything I wrote came back to that point. I, um, it's so important to have an editor because you've spent, uh, you know, I've spent my whole life living my life. And if I try to, and I like to say regurgitate it all over the pages of uh, yeah. it's going to lose the reader and yeah, you need exactly. to stay really focused and an editor and learning how to tell your story because having a story and, and this is what I love so much about your book because you're talking about overcoming addiction with having a transplant and kidney disease and that topic is so important because a lot of people deal with addiction as a, another illness in their life and That's you became right. very clear on that what the objective was to help your peers oftentimes i see people write but they don't really have a a point of wisdom at the end to bring a, the the reader to a conclusion and one of my um advice is is anybody thinking about writing a book get very clear on what your message is before you start writing 
because it'll help you help you with the book. <laughs> it really does. It really does almost fall into place. Like once you figure that out, it took me, in fact, an entire year of of just writing and working independently with a book coach and really trying to figure out because I have so many stories I could tell. Right. My father died very young of alcoholism. Um, I could just tell the story of having um, a transplant and chronically ill. I could talk about strained relationships with people. I could talk about <laughs> living in Los Angeles. You know, it's just there were it's too endless. many threads. It's yeah, there's yeah, too it's many threads. Really, it's really <laughs> endless. And I had two great editors that I worked with and I would highly encourage exactly what you're saying to do that. Um, the first editor that I worked with, I had a first draft that was over 500 pages and it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was never, and she, um, I got to, I worked with a, a book program, a book coaching program rather. And this particular editor, um, I was allowed to submit up to 10 pages a week to her and she would go through line by line and also maintain um, and hold in her mind that big picture of what right. I was doing and what I was going for. And then so I ended up switching to an, a, a different editor who really, really helped me zone in on the fact that the reader wanted to follow just the marriage. How is the marriage going to survive something like this? How right. is it going to, um, how is it, how is it going to survive something like this? And this is what the reader is going to become invested in when there's too many threads. It's exactly what you just said. You lose the reader. You lose and, the reader. Um, that was something yeah. very powerful for me. And once that happened, I could easily throw away 40 pages, 50 pages, because it had nothing to do with the momentum of the story. Because at its heart, it's a love story. It really is. It's about my love for pills. And then it's about me falling out of love with that and being able to love myself so that I could be a loving wife again. I mean, that's truly what the story is about. And that's basically the elevator speech. You got to be able to say, um, you got to be able to say what the book is, is if you go up, you know, 20 stories in the elevator, you need to be able to say what it's about. And um, (laughs) I mean, it's it's a very disciplined exercise for people um, who are thinking about writing a book. And, you know, one of the things that I did, um, I'm a member of Toastmasters. I've been going to Toastmasters since 1993. And that's how I wrote my original book is I recorded all my speeches. And there seemed to be an underlying theme of, of what I was saying. And sometimes I would tell a story or a speech and there would be a couple of stories in. And I thought people would really like story A, but they really like story C. And it was really interesting to get the reaction. And so uh, I transcribed a lot of my stories from speaking. And people Mm -hmm. have said my book sounds like it's very conversational. Well, that's a hint. Just uh, record yourself speaking or write some questions and have a friend interview you and then transcribe those. And then you have the basis of 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 uh, beginning a book because um, and then it'll help you be clear on what your message is. I think that's fantastic. I mean, there's there's all kinds of ways to explore how to find your voice. Right. I mean, one of the things I did a couple things. Um, one was I worked with beta readers, and two, I I, I actually used social media quite a bit um, when I when I started writing my first draft. I was working with this one editor, but then I also. Um, I was never afraid to put my work out there. 
Right. I, I did believe I had some talent, but it was more that I, I knew that that was the way that I was going to get information, kind of like what you're saying right. about Toastmasters. This is the way that I'm going to, I, I had enough of an inner voice that I knew what I was trying to do so that I could discern whether or not feedback was not applicable or applicable. But to work with, um, ultimately there were seven people who worked with me all the way through my first draft and they read everything. And it was so fascinating, Lori, to see what would continuously pop up as something that wasn't working for them or what's confusing for them and other things that really resonated on a deep level. And a lot of the times that was my willingness to be completely honest and completely truthful and completely authentic, as hard as that was, as hard as it was to write down, I stole pills from my husband. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's, that's a, a, mass, that's that, a massive betrayal. That's, that's, to have that feedback from people, that's what they're reacting to is the authenticity, the honesty. That's where you're going to connect. And that's what it's all about, right? You know that. It's all about connecting with and sharing your story so that we connect and we can uplift each other. It's the root of Alcoholics Anonymous, sharing our experience. It's the root of art. It's, that's the root of it all. It's connection and, well, and living this life together and sharing our trials, sharing our sorrows. Sharing our triumphs. Well, um, you know, the other thing I know you want to talk about, we, I also, um, worked with social media and primarily, uh, Facebook. And Facebook was really interesting for me. You're right. I, I didn't necessarily expect anything. And I would just start putting pieces out there, not so much from my book, but just pieces about being chronically ill and how I was living with pain and, uh, just reflections on that. And eventually I found people. And found by hashtagging, you know, sounds so silly and trite, but it's very valuable. <laughs> it's, it's very so valuable. Val- I would hashtag kidney transplant, and now I, I have friends all over the world, and we share, we share how much we hate ProGraph, or we, you know, we share like all well, kinds of things. And what's really it's interesting, powerful. Henrietta, is you know, in, a, in addition to figuring out your objective, you have to be very clear on who your audience is. And for me, I mean, you are trying to reach people that are dealing with addiction or have a family member or want to read a love story of a overcoming um, a, a serious illness. And for me, my book was geared directly to people dealing or caring for people who have a chronic illness. And I never wavered off of that. So that's a tip if you're writing a book, like make sure you're speaking to the same group. You don't switch over and keep talking to different people because it's a, uh, it can, you know, it's a hot mess at the end. And uh, oh, then yeah, you're upset that, um, you know, but he's reading your book. You've sold 10 copies and, or you've not sold none. And over the years I've had people send me books and, you know, I'm, I'm always flattered when people send me their story. We do an annual essay contest at RSN, and I read hundreds of essays every year from my peers, which is a gift. But sometimes people do their therapy, um, and, and you know, I don't need to read other people's therapy. I've already done my own therapy. I know what my triggers are. Yeah. I don't need to read other... <laughs> I don't need to hear every detail of a vascular access surgery and how it went wrong. I need to know what was the point of wisdom or what you learned or how can you help me avoid that situation. So um, (laughs) I try to I try to coach people on that. There has to be a point of insight, particularly the book I wrote, which is uh, a memoir. It, It can't just be, again, like a bunch of stories strung together. There has to be a wisdom that you've gleaned from your experience. There has to be an insight 
And for me, it was always about, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a woman who wears sundresses, who, who drank rubbing alcohol. Like, let me tell you my story. <laughs> let me show you the inside of my mind so right. that you can understand why would somebody do this? And, and this is the insight that I now have because today I'm free from drugs and alcohol and I still live with chronic illness. And how do I do that? You know, it's all about an insight and, and you, the reader needs to feel like they're being led towards something, that they're invested in something. They're invested in a revelation of sorts. And, and if, if, if it's just a bunch of facts or I know I keep saying this, they're just a bunch of like, Oh, then I took these drugs and then I stole these drugs and there's nothing hinging it all together and you're going to lose them. And, and I haven't, you know, I haven't read the entire book, but I also think that, you know, you're taking readers on a journey of forgiveness because so much of what, you know, you go through, you know, you have a lot of frustration that, you know, and I know people who have kidney disease, um, if it's caused from high blood pressure or diabetes, there can be a guilt associated with it. And how do you how do you manage that? So um, I think it's wonderful. Um, I want to move a little bit along about how how about getting it published? And what are some different options? We're not experts, but we know enough to be dangerous. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> in, in my case, um, you know, I, my first book came out, I'm actually writing a second one. So maybe Yay! it'll be out. Yeah, we'll see. I'm letting the process go as it wants. I don't want to force anything. But I feel like I have another story to tell. But when I wrote Chronically awesome. Happy in the early 2000s, uh, I was lucky to come upon a publisher who wanted to publish it. And it was quite happenstance. And it was a wonderful experience about having a publisher because there really wasn't a lot of Create Space in Amazon. It was very new. And I don't even think it's called Create Space anymore. Uh, but no, um, Amazon's, <laughs> um, Amazon's yeah. book publishing. And uh, it was wonderful because um, I went through the process, but ultimately I ended up buying that book back from the publisher. So, um, so you know, uh, and I think people need to really understand when you, if you get a publisher, you have to read the fine print because, you know, you are kind of giving your story away. And I was lucky that I could get my story back just because it's my baby. And um, and I was actually doing more marketing and selling. Um, I sold about twenty five thousand books in the early, um, which really put RSN on the map. And you know, RSN is here. You know, because two thousand four, RSN went national with Chronically Happy, and um, so it was a wonderful experience. It, it gave me a real platform to do so many things. Uh, and then the other option is so. Tell us a little bit about how you went about getting your book published. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. I, I ended up going the self-publishing route. I definitely wanted to try uh, traditional publishing first. And, you know, I gave it my absolute all. I researched everything from, you know, how to write a query letter to put together, you know, a package. And um, I, again, went to the experts. I hired people to help me do stuff. And I think I submitted to, you know, like 85 agents or something and 25 publishers over a year. And, um, and nobody ended up taking it. I, I won an award, UCLA writing award. Um, and it just, it didn't happen. I had a few agents that asked for the full manuscript. Um, I had one publishing house just absolutely rave about it, but it wasn't quite the right fit. And, Part of, you know, dealing with the rejection of that and the frustration with that was, again, really 
informing myself, researching what this market, this literary market is like. And it's, um, it's not unlike the acting market that I, I used to be a part of years ago. You know, this is, it's a, it's a money-based business and, you know, it's, it's something that, um, it just wasn't the right time for me. And, you know, part of how I got through all of that, Lori, was just having a lot of faith that, that there's a place for this book and it's going to have its own path. It was, um, reading, cause I think that's part of the process too. Anybody that's going to get involved with something like this has to understand like 90, 6% of manuscripts are rejected, some extraordinary right. number like that. And it has nothing to do with whether or not you're talented. It has to do with timing. It has so much to do with money and whether or not they feel like they can sell it and and what roster people have, all that stuff. But I have a very, very, I have a lot of faith. I have a very strong God in my life today. And I, I use those tools in addition to really educating myself about it. And so when the year passed, I thought, oh, and the other thing I did too, which sounds maybe a little cheesy, but I would read stories about John Grisham. Right. Nobody would would do anything with his <laughs> first book. And finally, he was published, I think, by a tiny publishing house, maybe sold 5,000 copies, and he bought like 2,500 of them. This is like from his lips. And, <laughs> right. Um, it's like nobody would touch it. And then he wrote the next book, which I think was The Firm. And, that was such uh, a good book. Nobody, it's <laughs> such a good book. And it ended up not not happening then. And then somehow right. I got to Hollywood and all of a sudden he got a, a call and it was like, we want to buy this. I mean, really, he just, just the craziest path. You know, there's another woman who's a huge self-help guru right now, Rachel Hollis, um, Girl, Wash Your Face. Nobody, she has this documentary out, nobody would touch her. So you really have to trust that you have your own journey and your own path. And that's when I began, I, I let that go, and I'm like, I'm just going to do as much as I can to publish it myself, and again, educated myself. I right. took a huge online class on Amazon, Mastering Amazon for Authors. I have uh, chosen to self-publish through Amazon, so I every day, I'm still learning how to navigate that thing and how to advertise on there, how to market, how to ask people to review my book. It's a lot of work. It's, it's a lot, a of, lot work. of work. Well, um, and it, it's satisfying. well, you know, what's interesting is we're so lucky to live in a day and age when where we can publish ourselves and they have what's called print on demand. So there's not yeah. a huge investment of like, oh, I got to run 5000 copies and put them in my basement. And, you know, hopefully they sell so they're not, you know, used for kindling or something like that. And and um, there's so many benefits. Um, but I have to say, if it was easy, everybody be doing it. And it takes right. a lot of work and energy and time. So just writing the book is part of it. Uh, there's editing, there's graphics, there's marketing, there's po there's so many elements that um, uh, that you have to educate yourself on. I'm glad you brought all those points up. Um, to yeah. wrap up yeah. a little bit, um, you know, so you talked a little bit about having social media and, you know, creating a dialogue with people in your audience. Um, did you build a website and what other things have you done to help market your book? Oh, absolutely. Yes, I did build a website, but I, I have to say the primary way that I've been building an audience of fans, and, and it's not ginormous yet, but you're absolutely right. There are people who are very taken with my writing and my message. And what one of the people I've been following for years is a, is a kind of a, again, another book coach type guy um, on marketing. 
His name is Dan Blank. And I love him because he has a very clear message that there is no point in going on Instagram and buying 20,000 followers. You need to build your relationship with your audience one person at a time. Right. And for a lot of people, that's way too much work. But I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the results of that. It's a lot of work and it's very time consuming. But to, to reach out and to invest the time and build a relationship with people one by one who are interested in my writing, who are interested in the message, who then privately write to me and say, you know what, I think I'm struggling with drug addiction with or, you know, I also have a transplant and, and did this happen to you? Or I actually have a, a relationship with a young girl I adore. And we spoke for about 45 minutes the other day and she's really struggling with um, the healthcare system. And what's she going to do in three years? And, you know, when she's off this particular disability and, and like I said, it's time consuming, but you said at the beginning of this conversation, that's the paycheck. Right. Very, very, very few authors make a lot of money at writing. And, and I don't know what the life of this particular book is, but what I do know is that if I can share my story and have that impact on another person and they reciprocate, I mean, there's really no better gift of life than that. That's so true. Well, and for, you know, for me, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, it takes a lot of time. Like RSN, more people started to reach out to me and, you know, they identified and I gave them hope. And, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm pretty good at responding to almost or having somebody respond to everybody who contacts me because I never want to be that person who yeah, like, yeah. you know, I don't have time. I'm just going to write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I have to say, um, anybody listening, go to Toastmasters, Toastmasters.org. Find a club. It's a, a wonderful group. And I learned how to speak. And I sold more books speaking in front of people and having books at the back of the room than I ever would imagined on um, on you know just doing the internet, and I think it's so important. And I came up with creative ways to market my book. Like I was speaking at a big meeting with like two thousand nurses, and I went to a healthcare company and said, "Hey, I'll sit in your booth and sign books all weekend. I'm the keynote speaker here." And so I looked for creative ways, and they bought the idea. And so I had to, you know, because I was speaking at a place, I'd have my books, but I didn't have people available, you know, with me to help sell them. So I had to be creative. And um, so you have to look for ways to get your message out there. And uh, you're a great speaker. I know you're a great speaker. And um, if you're not good at speaking, you have to learn how to get out there because uh, that's a great way to be able to um, also sell your message. Absolutely. There's a, there's a wonderful, I'm currently living in, in Winnipeg, Canada, and there's a wonderful chain of, uh, of bookstores up here called McNally Robinson, and they give self-published authors, they just, they have a look at your book and they read some of it, and they give self-published authors the opportunity to be sold in their store. And so it's a fantastic store, like a Barnes and Noble type thing where you can sit and have a meal and you can read books all day long if you want. And they also give these authors the opportunity to do a reading and they publicize it. Um, I've also already been invited to be at a book club. So, yeah, that's where you plant the seeds. All these things right. are where you plant seeds and you see what sprouts. And, and so I'm excited for this next stage. Very excited. Well, I am so happy for you. And um, thank you so much, Henrietta, for sharing oh, your worry. story. And in Pillness and in Health, you can go to Amazon.com, pick it up, uh, 
you can um, start telling your own story because even if it's not published, it will help you. I guarantee you if you start putting your words on paper and, you know, people used to diary for a reason. You know, now people use Facebook as their diary. Um, I'm like, well, I really didn't need to see that. You know, Um, uh, (laughs) you know, some people like, you know, literally, literally, I had a bad day. My cat threw up. I'm like, I didn't know. I didn't need to know that, you know. So um, and I just love the idea, too. I just saw this great idea. And I think it could be. a wonderful, uh, like if you're traveling or, or whatever the case may be, but you get a, a, a box of postcards and every day you write on them and you send it to yourself. Oh, and then it, it kind of goes to the mail, comes back, or you send it to someone, and then you compile that book of postcards. And I thought, oh, I wow, that. what a great, easy way that you can kind of start to tell your story. Like every day you got to mail a postcard to somebody or that one person yeah. that can get it and help you um, be accountable. Because you'll always find a reason not to write. Um, yeah. And, uh, oh. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, So uh, thank you so much, Henrietta, and uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you on social media and all your great success. And when your book's made into a movie, um, maybe maybe I can be an extra. (laughs) I will totally give you a cameo. You're the best, Lori. (laughs) I, again, thank the world of you and everything you've done for so many people who struggle with kidney disease and transplantation. And um, you give so much hope to so many. You're just a shining light. Thank you for this opportunity. I love chatting with you. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.